This is Doug Scheiding of Rogue Cookers, baseball fan and barbecue world champion. You are listening to the Baseball and Barbecue Show with Lynn and Jeff. Let's play ball. studios of baseball and bbq where the bbq stands for barbecue this is episode number 166 of baseball and bbq i'm jeff the mad rancher cohen along with leonard hollywood aberman we welcome you back to our podcast leonard happy new year Yes, happy new year to you. This is a special episode, Jeff. Why is that? Well, you know what? A lot of podcasts, they take time off for the holidays, and we're not doing that, but we are kind of giving back an episode that maybe a lot of people haven't heard. We had Robert Wool. Now, of course, that was episode 78. People are more than welcome to go back and listen to it, but we're going to have that Robert Wool interview. Along we- with? New content. Exactly. We're going to have some uh, some new things with that, too. As a matter of fact, after, after the Robert Wool interview, please stay tuned as we talk about uh, a Hall of Famer that may not be as well known as a lot of other Hall of Famers. So we're going to talk about that. And let me just tell you guys, basketball is back. And Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup information, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. It's always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's the NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BLEAVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online, where the game starts. I'm yes. so eager for baseball to be back. You know what's oh. going to come sooner than later. I mean, wow, just... December 31st, when we drop this, you know, a lot of people will be listening in 2023. And pitchers and catchers are what, six weeks away? Yeah, it's coming up. We'll talk about Robert Wool in a second, but we have a rant, but it's it's not your rant, Jeff, but it's a, it's a special rant. We got a message from Christina. This is her rant. So let's start it in the way that only a rant could be started. And that is baseball. Rant. Thanks, Len. And by the way, this is Christina's rant. This is her rant, not mine. So I am both angry and sick to my stomach at the Grom's departure from the Mets to the lowly Rangers. 
It was obvious from the beginning of the season he was not coming back. He opted out of his contract before the season began and refused to discuss a new contract until after the season. During the season, which he barely pitched, at least on TV, he seemed only to talk to Scherzer. He used to be more smiley. That disappeared. I think the Mets' offer of three years, $120 million, was more than generous, especially considering that DeGrom barely pitched for two seasons. He could have finished his career in New York. His number could have been retired. He could have had that second statue at City Field. He could have been a Mets legend. But no! The blank hole chose money and obscurity instead. Greedy SOB. I think the Grom got tired of the relentless New York media and fans. Now, most fans don't like him anymore. The media here have been very critical of him. The Grom probably got tired of no run support, too. Well, good luck with that in Texas. They are a chronically sucky team. <laughs> Their fans are probably brain dead and apathetic. But he probably wanted that. Now, let's see how many innings he can give them. I'm going to L-M-A-O, sorry, if he can't pitch due to some injury. Let's also see if he's not only able to pitch by the end of August when the Rangers come to City Field. Let's see if he skips his turn like that other idiot coward, Syndergaard. Wow. Now, just picture that in a more feminine voice, though. Yes. (laughs) And I'm sure there's a lot of fans that agree with Christina. Christina, we thank you. That was a that was a good rant. That was worthy of a that was worthy of a Jeff rant. <laughs> that was Jeff. I think that you've got some competition for ranter. Yeah, thank that you. was good. And if you want to give a rant, why don't you give us a call at 516-855-8214? You can email us baseball and bbq at gmail.com. Leave a message on our Facebook page, baseball and bbq. We have a Twitter. Tweet, tweet, tweet at baseball and bbq. Instagram, Baseball and Barbecue with Barbecue is all spelled out. Our website is www.baseballandbbq.weebly.com. We do actually have a YouTube page if you want to check that out, Baseball and BBQ. And please rate, review, subscribe, like, tell your friends. Tell your friends. (laughs) And if you think you can outdo Christina's rant, more power to you. You know what, Jeff? We could have like a rant of the year contest. Right. <laughs> That's definitely in the running. Christina, thank you so much for being a listener, a ranter. We appreciate it. We feel your pains. Anyway, Jeff, Robert Wool, he joined us in episode 78. He helped us celebrate our three-year anniversary. He gave us a hard time because we had never been to Kansas City. And <laughs> guess what? We still haven't been. <laughs> this is two years later. And we haven't been there yet. But can we blame the pandemic for that? Why not? Jeff, tell us a little bit about Robert Wool before we before we join the interview. Oh, he's a, a movie star. You you if you don't know the n- name, you know his face. He's been in Bull Durham, he's been in Batman, he's been in other other movies. He's the star of the show Arliss. He's had HBO <laughs> specials, Assume the Position, which if you don't know what he looks like, Google him. And we talked about so many wonderful things with him. Baseball movies. Barbecue, travel, different. I mean, it was just, he was terrific and it was fun to listen to it again. And you know what happens is we release an episode every week and then sometimes you miss episodes or you don't get to hear full episodes. So this gives us a chance to go back and listen to one of those ones that we thought were pretty special. So we hope that everyone will enjoy 
our interview with Robert Wool. Our guest's name is very well known to some, but to those who do not recognize him by name, you're guaranteed to know him right away once you hear his distinctive voice or see his famous face. He's a well-known comedian who has flexed his acting chops in a career which includes roles in The Hollywood Nights, Good Morning Vietnam, Bull Durham, Batman, and Cobb, among others. He's also the creator and star of Arliss for seven years on HBO, playing the role of super agent Arliss Michaels. He also hosted a wonderful podcast called Ipso Facto. There's apparently not much that he can't do. And on top of all that, he is a huge baseball fan. Baseball and Barbecue is honored to welcome Robert Wall. Welcome to Baseball and Barbecue, Robert. Thank you. That was very kind of you. That was a very nice intro. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Right. <laughs> now, how did, how did the show start? Tell me about the origins of the show. We started uh, December 2017, just two guys just talking a lot of baseball. We talk a lot of barbecue, and we just said, we're the only two schmucks who doesn't have a podcast, so we decided to put it out there, and, you know, we're at uh, 65 uh, episodes later. Congratulations. Yeah. Now, we released... I'm sorry, Leonard. No, no, I was just going to say, I shouldn't interrupt the guest, but we release every two weeks, so that's why December will be three years. Now, it's very funny, because I was just watching, I was working out the treadmill, and I was watching an episode of The Prophet, which is one of my favorite shows on TV, and he was helping out a restaurant in South Carolina, which was a barbecue joint, down-home barbecue. So I wanted to ask you, do you, have you been all over the country eating barbecue, sampling barbecue, and you have favorites, or have you, you know, are you just totally from you know New York area? Well, the bucket list is to travel around the country. But well, how, many, how many have you hit? Not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we have been we have been to a couple of barbecue competitions, a couple right. of barbecue shows. We went to the Monster Monolith by uh, sponsored by BBQ Guru there in Pennsylvania. Right. So we have been at certain places. I know when I travel, I do hit uh, barbecue restaurants. I've been right. to Arizona, Rhode Island, wherever I go, I try to hit a barbecue restaurant. Okay, because it's interesting. I was a comic for many years on the road, and and of course I went to school in Texas, so. The funny thing is, I'm diabetic, so I can't really eat much uh, barbecue much anymore. Right. Uh, but I pick my spots once or twice a year. You know, it's like a, like a pastrami sandwich. I can't tell you that would probably be my death row meal. Is a good course called you know, a pastrami sandwich with coleslaw and Russian dressing. And I, you know, it's like you know, okay, mm. so, okay, give me the goop. But barbecue is one of those things. But each city, the thing about barbecue that I've learned is each region. Has, it's like they're like dialects. It's like mm-hmm. each region has its own idea of what's great barbecue. And it's funny because I usually, when it comes to barbecue, which is something New York does not do particularly well, by the way, New York, uh, New York restaurants, forgive me. Most of them, most of the ones that have succeeded, well, New York, it's, it's a different, it's, it's a, you know, it's not a city barbecue for the most part. It's not a city food. Right. That's, I think has a lot to do with it. But I've been fortunate. I went to school in Texas and on the road, and the barbecue is something that I – and I don't like particularly like brisket. That's from growing up and my mother cooking it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I do not like brisket for the most part. But I love ribs. I love ribs. So I, I barbecue – I tell you, if you go on a bucket list, if you're ever going to a town like – especially Kansas City, 
Uh, Kansas City might be my favorite. Uh, if you, oh, by the way, you absolutely must do a shoot from Kansas City. I'll tell you why. Kansas City, uh, first of all, it's in my mind, and I'm, again, I'm, it's my favorite barbecue city. Kansas City is so well known for ribs. I mean, you've got the famous Gates. Uh, right. You've got uh, Arthur Bryant's, which is notorious. You've got Oklahoma Joe's, which I now think is called Joe's. Uh, Jason Whitlock took me there. You've got, uh, uh, boy, you've got some great, it's my favorite barbecue city. But not only that, it is the home of the Negro League Hall of Fame. You know, yep. baseball. Yep. And I've been honored twice to be the host of their legacy awards, which mm-hmm. is after the, it's their, their postseason awards, and uh, it's a and it's held across the street at the famous Gem Theater in Kansas City, uh, right f- across the street from the uh, Negro League Museum, which outside of Cooperstown is my favorite museum in the world. In fact, it might be because it's small though. There is a charm to this. Now I've always been a big Negro League fan, so there is a charm to this museum. I was fortunate enough to have Buck O'Neill. Before he died, take me around. Uh, Bob Kendrick, who runs this museum, uh, he should be a presidential candidate. He's the president. Yes. Of the museum. This is a, he is. Uh, so if you guys ever decide to go to Kansas City and do a barbecue, uh, you know, thing, because I'd like to get back there again. So give me a holler if you're going. So maybe I can meet you there. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Jeff, you want to tell him that they we have been honored to interview Bob Kendrick twice, and it was uh, just spectacular. Sorry, I didn't catch that. It was muffled. We, we interviewed Bob Kendrick of the Negro League ah. Museum twice. Ah. Ah, he's the he, best. He, he, was, the best. Uh, he was our first guest. He was our so first Robert, guest. We, we're this, with this new podcast, we, like Jeff said, we're two schmucks that think, hey, uh, you know, people would be interested in listening to what we have to say. And then we decided it was, it was going to be February. And we thought for Black History Month that we would have uh, let's see, we went online and we see that there's a Negro Leagues Museum. So I call up and I said, um, you know, we really like to get somebody from your museum to come on and talk about the, you know, the Negro Leagues. And they said, well, we'll put you through to the president, the president of the museum. And, and 10 minutes later, I get a call. This is Bob Kendricks. And, and I didn't know who he was at the time, not, you know, not realizing how well known he is. And he came on knowing he was our first guest, nicest guy. We've had him on again and uh, we love it. And we, yeah. we that is on the bucket list. We're going to go. I mean, I've I, been, I, that, I, you know, if your show is baseball and barbecue, I'm not more I think of it. Uh, and I say this with all due respect, shame on you for not being there already. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about arguably the greatest barbecue city. I mean, you can throw Memphis in there. I, I've been in Memphis. You can, I mean, you can, I'm sure Texas, uh, some people say it's in Texas. Uh, I went to school in Houston. But it's in, the, it's in the conversation. Let's put it that way. Absolutely. And it's the home of the Negro League Museum, which, by the way, is in the same building as the Jazz Hall of Fame. You know, uh, and, and by the way, if you like Italian food, Kansas City is a great, great city for Italian food. Why, you may ask. Now, because it was always a big mob town. Do you remember uh, the movie Casino? Remember oh Casino? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where did they funnel all the money through? Where did it all yeah. go? That, that little mob, just, that Kansas, mob in Kansas City. Yes. So it was always a great mob town, which means great Italian restaurants. So, uh, and, and also, they, they, you know, backed all the jazz joints, the music joints, the nightclubs. And so, you know, Kansas City, 
I, my, I, I enjoy, I don't, except, you know, if you don't take all the big ones out, but I can't, I can't see it might be my most underappreciated city for me, for me. We have to, Jeff. Yeah. We have to go. Oh, and, yeah. and I've had, I've had barbecue in Florida and Georgia and, you know, locally and stuff, but yeah, we, we definitely, we've got to expand our horizons. Do you have children? You, Jeff. Do you have children? Yes. Yeah. How old, uh, boys or girls? But it doesn't make a difference, really. Well, I have a girl and a boy, and uh, uh, twenty-five boys. and twenty-one. Oh, so okay, they're not kids. Right. I mean, I was fortunate enough. One of the years that they um, invited me, I got to take my goddaughter with me, uh, with her dad, and uh, and because she's a big sports fan. In fact, she worked oh, up until a year ago. She up until last January. She worked for the Yankees, and she's twenty-five, twenty-six. But she was about, I don't know. It was, it was a year that. Uh, it was the year Prince Fielder had a big year, and CC won the won the Cy Young in the Nash. The Brewers, Milwaukee, yeah. So I don't know what year that is, but um, she was charmed by that. Of course, her hero is Jackie Robinson to begin with. So, so yeah, yeah. Right. but we can't wait for the. So you guys, Yankees or Mets fans? Well, we're Mets fans. I'm thinking you're a Yankee fans. If you grew up in uh, you were born in Jersey. Uh, early 50s, and then when the Giants and Dodgers left town, there's only Yankees, and you're what, eight years old? But you have to be a Yankees fan. I'm a baseball fan. I baseball. do like Yankees. Uh, I'm more, my motto is, uh, my motto that I've always that served me well is always, life is always better when the home team wins. Yeah. And that's not just in sports. <laughs> that's in sports, sure. But it's also in family, in politics, in business. Life is always better when the home team wins. Yes. So I live in New York and L.A., and I went to school in Houston, and I have great friends in Houston. And, uh, and then I have a lot of friends who are involved in baseball, and I root for my friends to do well. Uh, so, you know, I, and I root for the Mets. And I root for the Yankees. I root for the New York teams. I, 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 I'm a baseball fan. I like good historical, you know, I'm a history guy. So like, right. I, I always like the Cincinnati Reds because of the history, Baltimore mm-hmm. Orioles. Right, um, you know the Red Sox too, but I, I but but more. I mean, I, I just I like great baseball histories and organizations, and 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 I just like baseball. I went to Cincinnati last year, and I'm a big baseball history nut. Also, I love their Hall of Fame museum just for the Cincinnati Reds at the Great American Ballpark. That was just fantastic. Yeah, I would have that was great. Have you, have you been to uh, how many of the club ballparks have you been to? You've been to a lot of. I've been to half, so I have to get to the other half. <laughs> I, I, I've got about four or five to go. I've got Target Field. I haven't been to most of the Midwest. I haven't been to Cincinnati. Has haven't been to. I'm sorry to say, because my friend owns the team, uh, the White Sox. I haven't been to uh, whatever that cellular field or whatever it is. I have not been to Miller Park, and I haven't been to Detroit. I think and Tampa Bay, but I don't count Tampa Bay. The uh, <laughs> I just don't. It's like you know, I was at a, I was at the All Star game. George Will invited me, so I'm there with George Will, and we're talking baseball, of course. And I told him I haven't been to Tampa Bay. He said, "You don't have to go," you know. So, so but that's the only parks I have not been to. So I don't, you know, I just. I like that, you know, it's like cathedrals, like they says in Boulder. Yeah, yeah. My, I think one of my best baseball moments is uh, it was shortly after the Mets and the Red Sox 
well, they didn't meet. It was in 80, uh, it was in 88 when they, everyone thought they were going to have a rematch and it ended up the, you know, the Dodgers and uh, was it? it wasn't the Red Sox. So, yeah, yeah, right. That's right. And shortly after that, I was doing an internship in Boston and I went on to the field during the off season and just ran around. I was in a suit and tie and I'm, and I'm running around the bases while well, there were no bases, but you know, and touching the green monster and just looking around. It's, it's incredible. It's really, if, if you, if people have never been there, the first thing that blows you away is the monster right left field is like 10 steps behind shorts. <laughs> I mean, there's just no, that's why you don't get, that's why, that's why the Carl Crawford trade was one of the stupidest things in the world. I mean, the one place where if you can't catch a ball and be that you don't need a defensive left fielder in the baseball is Fenway Park. Right. I mean, think about it. you had Manny playing there for so many years. <laughs> you, had, you had Ted Williams playing there. For These guys couldn't, I mean, unless the ball's hit, but it didn't make a difference because if it hits the wall and it comes back, it's going to be a single anyway. I mean, they can be, it was like it played <laughs> off the wall. And you had Carl Crawford, who, who was like, suddenly you got this thoroughbred with no room. It's, it's, that was a stupid, stupid, even just, you know, horses for courses. You know, that was just oh. You know, before I was going to say before we begin, but I think we've begun. It's very funny. We we have our producer of the show, semi producer, who is a huge fan of yours, loves Arliss. He had booked for us a well. He was a sports agent. Now he's a sports attorney. I think you might know the name, uh, Darren Heitner. You actually did a cameo. This was funny. He played this for us. You did a cameo for him, and oh, a cameo, cameo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And so, where his friend Silver something wanted you to rank on him, and you know, say mean things or whatever. And you said, you said, Darren, because as as one, you know, from one super agent to the current super agent or whatever, I'm not going to rank on you. And your friends, no, they should know you should not be ranked on. And you turned it around. Do you remember doing that? that yes, I do. Sure. That was, yeah. Yeah. And he played that today. And that was just, that, that was a riot. I got to tell you, that was very his, good. So, what is his name? Well, Darren Heitner is the. And what's the other guy's name? Oh, Jared Kasdan is the okay. one who played it. And he's a huge fan of yours. Yes. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Jared. <laughs> but, uh. <laughs> But we had Darren on, and it was just funny how how you know the connection. It's the greatest separation, I think. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. Hey, you guys, let me ask you a question. I mean, yes. it's moving that way, but are you guys a hundred? I mean, one hundred percent convinced there's going to be a baseball season that they're going no. to start. In two? No, I'm not. What? I'm not. I, I mean, it's getting closer, obviously, but I mean, I'm, I, what if five, six guys more per team go down and stuff? I I don't know. And if they do, I mean, okay. I mean, it's not like I wasted my money on tickets. Right. You know, but you have to think it's like, okay, let's, I mean, it's a crazy year. I mean, I, I don't mind this. You know, things happen, you know, and you got to play, you know, you got to play the hand you're dealt. So, you know, play it out. I mean, I'm, I hope they do play. I hope nobody gets sick, but I hope they do. Right. Play. I, 
I just want to see. I'd like to just watch the game. I could still watch the pitcher and the catcher. I could still yeah. watch. watch but that. 60 games is like an extended spring training. That's right? fine. You That's know? Fine. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's something. It's See, the thing is, they're going to try different things. There's going to be the DH in both leagues and whatever. But it's going to be interesting if they do play to see 60 games. It's going to go by in a blink. And to see how they're going to play it, it's going to be very different. Yeah. And, and also... Well, it's hard to judge against anything. I'm curious to see if it, the games are a lot more exciting. I mean, first of all, they, they count a lot more. Right. And I'm curious to see how they – I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a different – I mean, like I forgot which agent it was said. Uh, he works at Wasserman, I believe, and he talked about during the negotiations, he, he talked about when the owners didn't want to pay people because they had no people in the stands – he says the Florida Marlins hadn't had any people in the stands for about five years. He said, <laughs> and he goes, and they had the highest paid player, you know, right. and and then when they sold, they sold for two billion dollars. Right. He goes, what are you talking about? So, uh, but I thought that was funny. Florida Marlins, Tampa Bay, they don't have any fans. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I'm curious to see. I'm, like, yeah, I'm going to want to watch the games. I'm a, it's a different. It, it, to me, this is just a crapshoot year. I mean, just yeah. it's a unique thing. It's it's just unique. You got to roll with it, and it's still four, four, three strikes, two outs. You know, it's still that. Yeah. So, Robert, what was it like? Play. You were in one of Bull Durham, obviously one of the, the best baseball movies. I think Jeff mentioned a list of best baseball movies of all time, and I think Bull Durham was number one. Actually, number one, right? And you were in an iconic scene, okay? That that the pitcher's mound scene, I love it when they're all out there, and it's it's like his eyelids, and so and so's getting married, and 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 the other one, you know, his he thinks his glove is is uh, is jinxed, and we need to find a chicken and cut the head off, and and you come out to the mound, you, you want as the pitching coach, you want to just tell us about that scene. Well, I came out and, uh, you know, that scene, by the way, the whole scene on the mound, the studio wanted the whole scene cut from the movie. Wow. They wanted, they, they told Ron, we need you to cut the scene. And he goes, why? And he says, well, it doesn't move the plot. And Ron Shelton said, what plot? <laughs> what plot is there in this movie? <laughs> he says, it's just a plot. And he says, and the only reason it stayed in was because when they did test groups, focus groups, it was, and you always check off what's your favorite scenes in the movie. And it was always number one or number two, always. So that's the only reason it stayed in. Yeah, it's, it's a riot. I mean, when you say uh, uh, candlesticks make a good gift, and uh, <laughs> well, are they part, register? Well, the, you know, that's not the way it's written. The whole scene is written up until the payoff line. I mean, what happened was the line was originally, oh, you know, he says, we're dealing with a lot of shit here. And, he, and the line was, oh, I thought there was a problem. You know, and then, okay, but, you know. So what had happened is a couple of things. A, a week before, first of all, it was freezing. I mean, if you watch Bull Durham, you could see our mouths. We were in November in, in, in North Carolina. It was cold. You see the smoke coming out. And uh, it was the last shot of the night, the total last shot. They had shot all of the other side, you know, of, of the guys on the mound, but I'm coming from the other direction, so you have to relight. So last shot's like four in the morning. And Ron Shelton, after we did about four or five takes, said, okay, let's wrap it. Robert, I know you've been sitting around all night, you know, and I know you got something you thought of. So what had happened 
we must do one, one, two cameras, take, stay in character. And what had happened the week before, about a week before shooting is a friend of mine was getting married. So I called my wife and said, what are we going to get him for a wedding present? And she said, candlesticks always make a nice gift or find out where she's registered in a silverware pattern. So when the scene came and he says, okay, you got one. And, you know, and he said, we're dealing with a lot of sheer. And I went, well, candlesticks always make a nice gift. <laughs> but, but what's interesting is, you know, we watched it on dailies the next day. You know, you always watch, this was a good close knit group. And we always would watch it back in the day. You would watch the dailies on film. They project them the following day. And it was the last shot because they're always done in order. And the last shot is candlesticks always make a, and everybody in the place cracked up. And I thought, boy, joke worked. That's good. But that's the last time I'm ever going to see it because I know too many writer directors who said, yeah, it's funny. Yeah. It's in character. Yeah. It works. But I didn't write it, and this is my movie. Now, the good ones don't think that way. But, but you know, and then the next time I saw it was, uh, I, you know, I was close friends with Ron, but I saw a screening for a focus group about the first, about the second one. And there it was. And I was shocked that I got a huge laugh, and I was shocked it was in the movie. I was shocked. And then, like I told you, they wanted to cut it out, and it stayed in, and uh, – it's it's a it's been a great uh, it's it's a good movie. It's a very good movie. It's a great movie. I love it. It's on all the time. I always watch it. No matter what part it's on, I'm gonna watch it. I've heard you on a couple of interviews saying that your part is you only had four or five lines in that movie, sure. but sure. those lines were great. I mean, it really packed a, 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 a punch. <laughs> oh, he's, just, he's got garters on. <laughs> And a new league record, you know, another new league record. You know, it's a powerful, uh, you know, really great movie. Really great acting there. Great. Well, thank you. That's nice. It's right, so. I mean, baseball movies, there's some, there's some good ones. Uh, there are, there's probably more, as far as sports go, probably boxing's got the most. It's the easiest to do. But there's uh, baseball movies. There's actually, well, the thing about baseball is you can see people's faces. Mm-hmm. You know, it, and it's, you know, they're normal sized human beings also. And uh, for like the first half of the 20th century, it was America's game. And uh, I don't know, it's baseball. I mean, I, it's hard. Baseball movies are, most sports movies in general suck. <laughs> I mean, that's the word I'm looking for. Uh, and the reason they do, Ron Shelton and I talked about this one time, we agreed. The reason most sports movies suck is because they're told from the point of view of the fan. And the fan only cares about one thing. Did the team win or lose? Did they win? That's what they care about. They don't care how you got there. They don't care what you did to get there for the most part. Fan only cares if the team wins or loses. So it always comes down to the big game. It's like they're always the big game. And that's bullshit. He goes, how many big games are there? And he goes, it's like, you know, yeah, but, you know, yeah, you know, and, and very rarely do they lose. In fact, the better in the better in the better sports movies they do lose. I, I can think of. I'm trying to think of two or three of the best best sports movies off the top. Rocky, he loses. Right. There's a big game. He loses. The most underappreciated sports movie of any sport of all time uh, is the original Bad News Bears, and I'm they lose. That. And they right. lose. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so. You know, I just, you know, so that's that sports movies, you know. Hey, I, it doesn't mean they're going to succeed. I mean, I was in Cobb. That was a huge bomb. You know? So, uh, I mean, commercially, commercially, but I mean, it, what's nice is because it's on, 
MLB and they put it in rotations, if people are appreciating it, you know, a little bit more, you know, so that's, right. that's really nice. That's really, because I enjoyed it. It's dark. It's a dark character. <laughs> He's a dark character. Yes. You, you, mentioned yes. The bad news, you mentioned the bad news bad. Are you, are you talking about the Walter Matthau version or the Billy Bob Thornton version? I know you, you're uh, talking about the Walter Matthau version. That, that was a great, great movie. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna. You were gonna ask me which one I was gonna say. You know, I thought more of you than that. You know, <laughs> with the with, oh, what was the little kid um who used to always get upset, right? And he would like attack, right? Um, right. Yeah, no, but it's not America. It's just a great. It's a great movie. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. director Michael Ritchie was a great filmmaker. At that right. He had a run of movies. He was holding a mirror up to America. It was, you know, that, that period in the early 70s, which is probably before your time, but there were filmmakers who were holding up a mirror to America and, and, and making a statements about it. Guys like Hal Ashby, Robert Altman, and Michael Ritchie, who did Downhill Racer, The Candidate, and The Bad News Bears. Those are three very, I mean, they're talking about America in those three movies. So, uh, and about, and a movie called, a very good movie called Smile about beauty pageants. No, no, he was, he was special. What, what about the movie Bang the Drum Slowly with De Niro? Yeah. Is no big game. No big game. Right? See, that's right. what I'm saying. That, that's in the top five. Yeah, yeah. Right top five for sure. Michael Mariotti. I think Vincent Pardini is in that one too. Okay, now let me tell you a story about this. This is to show you acting and what, you know, and the movie making and the make-believe. Now, Danny Aiello, my dear friend, may he rest in peace, his first movie, I think he may have had a scene in The Godfather. He has one, Godfather 2 or something like that. But his first decent role was in Bang the Drum Slow. And Danny could play a little bit. So he shows up, to, you know, first day of shooting, and uh, Vincent Gardini knows him, you know, for, for many years. And Vincent Gardini is playing the manager, of course. And he told to Danny, he goes, Danny, come here. Which one's first base? <laughs> okay. Okay, fast forward. He gets nominated for an Academy Award. It changes his career. <laughs> Wow. That shows you about, you don't hey, have to know. Hey, you know. Don't have to know, just act. That's not, you just have to act. It's wow. just, you know, but that, Bang the Drum Slowly is a terrific film. Yeah. I remember seeing, I saw it in, co in college in Houston, and it was, I had not seen Mean Streets, so it was the first time I saw De Niro. And so I saw the movie, and I said, well, he really is not that good a baseball player. He can't really play, but I am absolutely convinced he's an idiot. He's from the South and one of these idiots. <laughs> you know, it's like, and then he does Godfather too. When I see that, and then I saw Mean Streets. So that was my first. That was my first time seeing De Niro. So uh, very Robert, I was going to save this question, but since we're talking about baseball movies, I'll ask you now. Obviously, Babe Ruth—they've made movies about Ty Cobb. They've made movies. I mean, I, I could go on and on about the. You know, there's a certain few players they make the movies about baseball players. Is there a player you could think of? And I, and I didn't give you advance notice on this question, but is there a particular player that you could think of that would make a really good movie and that you would want to be in that movie? Well, now you're not talking about current day. You're just talking about baseball in general. Yeah, in general. Yeah, baseball history, I guess. Yeah, not current day. Well, I would argue they really never made a good movie about Babe Ruth because they always, and part of that is because they always 
cast a guy who's 40 or 50. I mean, and they always catch a, get a big fat guy. And that's not it. It's like, it would be like doing an Elvis biography and casting a big fat guy at 50. Right. Babe Ruth is a stud at 21. Babe Ruth is the first American rock star. And they should get a guy who's in his, you know, late 20s, early 30s to play him and play him that. It's Raging Bull with the weight gained on. He doesn't become fat until about seven, eight years into the league. I mean, he just, it's like, it's Elvis. It really, it really is the Elvis story. That's really it. That would be one. The other one is the great Bill Vec. Of course, he's okay. such a He's such a character. It's a great character. I would think him. Uh, I'm trying to think somebody who's on the peripheral. That would make more sense. I mean, Branch Rickey's real interesting because of everything he did. Branch and you know, Branch Branch Rickey is 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 interesting. Yeah, he's a. That's a character. Most here's the thing: is most your best bio movies usually take a small piece. Of, a, of an icon's life. They're your best ones. They, otherwise, they try to do too much. You know? Right. But, with, which, you know, it, I find the best biopics are of icons, with rare exceptions like there are in anything. Take, you're better off in a small time period, you know, and, and tell that story. I, I think that's, you know, I just, you know. So I'm trying to think of somebody who trans, well, I mean. I wonder about the Negro Leagues. Like, you know, like Gibson or Satchel Page. Well, they've, or done, they've, done, they've done movies on all of them. They've done mostly HBO, Showtime, TV movies on yeah. all of them. I mean, what about Yogi? I wonder if Yogi would make a... Well, uh, what, what's, what is the... What's the dramatic thrust? I mean, I mean... Yeah, I guess, well... I mean, he's, really, I mean yeah. he's a good guy. He's a great guy. And yeah, right. I, I could make the argument. I keep, you know, everybody says, you know, Johnny Bench. And Johnny Bench, you probably is the greatest catcher of all time. But Johnny Bench don't have 10 rings. Nope. Johnny Bench don't have 10 rings. Now, they're not all a catch, to be fair. Right. But 10 rings, 10 rings. Not too shabby. Dirk, Dirk you'd have showed Yogi five, five rings. And, you know, Yogi goes, I got 10. <laughs> that's remarkable yeah you know, Robert I, I, I loved your, your show uh, Assume the Position that was fantastic oh, and thanks. you you had a line in there which I know is not attributed to you but you use it and I use it now because I think it's so great it's from uh, the let the something about Liberty Vance when the legend becomes fact Use the legend. Print the legend. Print the legend. That's right. That's fantastic. I, I, I'm saying that because of the movie Eight Men Out, which is historically inaccurate, but it, it, it's in the, it, they tell the story of, obviously, the 1919 Black Sox, but there was historical inaccuracies. And so I think of that, okay, when the, when the legend becomes fact, print the legend. Hollywood is not in the history business. Hollywood is in the entertainment business. It's in the storytelling business. I mean, just this week, the Hamilton thing, people are coming down on Hamilton now. Oh, yeah. Right. People got to pick on everything. So, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm not sure which part in the black side. You know, actually, the Eat Men Out is, is closer to, to being on the nose than just about, just about any other biopic I've seen a storytelling. I mean, I mean, sales followed the book pretty closely. Um, but, wasn't wasn't totally accurate. I mean, I, I'm a member of uh, Society 
Four points. Well, I'm a member of the uh, Society of Baseball, American Baseball Research, and they have a committee of the Black Sox committee. And they're saying that Charles Kaminsky was a very cheap owner, which they were all during that time, but he was the less misery of the, of the bunch. So he really paid his players more than the other teams, even though in the, in the picture it says he's, he's paid them the, the least. Well, again, print the legend. The legend is. Exactly. He was exactly. He didn't pay bonuses. He did. I mean, he was. I mean, no one's. You know. And by the way, that's fireman reviewing fireman movie. That's what you're doing. That's like it's like saying when I see a movie, and the fireman goes, "Oh no, he went down with his left hand first. You have to go down with your right hand first, so the movie's inaccurate." Hey, come on. Okay. Fair enough. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not the expert here. So. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Robert, let's talk about Arliss. You created Arliss. It's wonderful. I really, I, I'm enjoying it very much. It was on seven seasons on HBO. You were Arliss, the sports agent. You hit upon a lot of topics. Well, there's, there's so many things with Arliss. You hit upon some very meaningful topics, which actually still resonate today. You know, there are still, those things are still very relevant. That's one. You had a lot of cameos by famous athletes, coaches. You know, I saw Kobe Bryant in, in a couple. Uh, he was in the first season. Uh, I remember he was, he was speaking Italian with you. At he had signed. His, it's the first thing he ever shot. He had signed his contract maybe two weeks earlier. When we had him on the show. Yeah. And then he was in future uh, episodes in the beginning. You had him on. I mean, you had I, you were in the dugout with you had Barry Bonds and Mike Piazza and Tommy Lasorda, and I just mentioned baseball people, of course. But what was it? What was it like being such a big sports fan? You know, being I mean, it was fun. I, I and, and I look back now; it's great to see all these people. And but to me, they were always texture. I mean, there were, I mean, we never wrote for any cameos. We always write TBD. Because it depended on who was on the West Coast and who was available. You can't let the, you couldn't let them push plot. They're not actors. To me, right. I was I was much more interested in the story. I was always about the story and the characters in there. And as you'll see, as we went on, you'll see much fewer cameos in the. We had to have a few. I mean, and my guys rightly so always stayed on me. Uh, that you have to have a few people look forward to it. But I was much more involved in storytelling. I wanted to hit on topics. I, funny, because I just did a podcast like this, uh, a fundraiser for the last seven weeks uh, on uh, the guys from the Uptight Citizens Brigade. They did a podcast, the George Lucas talk show, which is a goof. And each Sunday, they live streamed a season of Arliss. And I would come on the last hour and talk about it, which meant I just, in the last, in the last two months, I watched Arliss pretty much the first time I'd watched it in 20 years. And I was shocked at how well they held up. And I was, I mean, I, I mean, we did go after topics. I mean, they just said, I mean, I'm wearing a 1997 Cleveland Indian All-Star Game hat. And that was the first time I saw that big Chief Wahoo. And I said, we got to do a story about this. So it's funny because we did this story about the Redskin slash Indian mascot. And I mean, it was... And at the same time, I could tell America, talk stories about Native Americans and military and make it funny. And, uh, and, and, you know, it's like the guy said, this could have been today, this story. I mean, we, and we had domestic abuse and steroids and alcoholism and gay ball players. 
and transsexuals and uh, unwed pregnancies. I mean, I, I loved all the stories because I just said, he's, you know, I, I didn't, you know, like I said, there's no big games. I mean, I didn't care about that. I cared about character. Right. You, in one of the episodes, had um, the, what was it, the LA, the hockey team, the Los Angeles hockey team. Was it the Kings at the, in, in the episode? Oh, okay. I think. Yeah. And she, w- she was going to give you, the owner of the team was going to give you 10% of the team, and you were trying to move the team. And you went to Vegas, right? And he showed, there were three places you went to. You went to North Carolina, yeah, you went to Vegas. Think about that. You're right. Right. And, and he shows you this big tower with the, you know, the thing above. And, of course, Vegas didn't get the team. But fast forward. Yeah, Vegas, no. That, I, yeah. Well, we were, you know, we had to be somewhat plausible. You right. Know, I want to say, do I believe it? Could I believe it? You know, so, yeah. Well, that was kind of fun. This was great. Yeah. And, of course, you had what, one of the, the best Arliss episodes, too, was the, the fantasy. The fantasy draft. The, well, the fantasy league. Yeah. When you... When the, the pitcher for the Phillies, I can't remember his name. Ned Bastille. Yeah. He, Ned he Bastille. Was, right, you were, work, you were trying to work out the trade. Well, okay, the wife didn't want you to trade him. Then, then you were going to trade him to a contender, right? You were going to trade him to the Dodgers. But then when your arch nemesis, who won the league twice, was going to get got him in a trade from your guy, right? I guess if he gets traded to the American League, American League doesn't count, right? Anyone gets, gets traded to the American yeah, League. Exactly. It's, it's like it was a league-only thing. Um, <laughs> uh, actually, that story came from, I think, Arn Tell. What happened is, Arn, Arn, remember, fantasy was pretty early back then. This is the 90, you know, 90s. And what happened was he was in a fantasy league with Albert Bell. And I thought, wow, oh, that's strange that they're having. I go, Albert Bell is a fantasy team? He goes, yeah. I go, well, what happens if he's facing a pitcher that needs to win or something like that on his team? You know, I'm not competitive these guys. And so I thought about that. And then I thought about, on the other hand, what if you could trade him so you could win the league? You know, it's like, so that's where that came from, pretty much. Just knowing that, you know, ballplayers had fantasy teams. So that, then I put together that story. Right. but And you, you trade him to Milwaukee. <laughs> and you had to sell them on Milwaukee. Right. And then there was the earthquake. Right. It's just, it, it all flows very nicely. It was just okay. a very, very good show. Very enjoyable. Thank you. I have another question on Bull Durham. Was that Tim Robbins' first movie? No. No, it wasn't? Okay. I thought it was one of his uh, earlier ones, but I... I, I oh, it wasn't an early one, yeah. It wasn't an early I, one, but it was his first movie. No. I, somewhere, I, I might have heard somebody was his first movie. Well, thanks for clearing that up. How, how much fun was it to do Good Morning Vietnam with Robin Williams? That must have been a ball. It was great fun. It was also hot. That's what I remember. I remember having very a lot of fun and hot. That's what I remember. And had great people. You know, made great friends there and learned a lot. And uh, it was great. It was, it was just it was fun. And I know, you know, I known Robin since for years because we were comics. But getting to know Bruno Kirby and Noble Willingham, that was pretty great. That was pretty good. You know. And Barry Levinson. No, I had a great time in, Th- in Thailand. Great time. Oh, they said they that in Thailand. Oh, okay, didn't know that. Yeah, but yeah. well, they had other scenes in Thailand, but I wasn't in those. Robert, what's your what's your feeling on the saber? Jeff and I talk about this a lot. How saber metrics, all these crazy stats—I uh, call them crazy stats—are being used now. Launch angles and war, and 
you know, all these, all these things and, and somehow a strikeout is, is okay. And what, what's your feeling on that? My feeling is there you stats have always been in baseball. I mean, we've always, we've always had stats in baseball. So I'm sure somebody said, Ooh, an RBI. I mean, what, what, what's that? I mean, he didn't put the guy on base. He didn't just, I mean, so my bigger problem is not with the stats themselves. It's what the stats do to me is it gives people easy way to easier way to make a decision because they say, well, look at the stats and you have to do it this way because you got 43% chance of doing it as opposed to 39%. So you got to go with that. Well, well, you're still failing 70% of the time no matter what I'm looking at here. So it's, you know, I mean, yes, there's something to it and you, and then they do, but I, I don't find, they're a tool. They're one tool. The problem is too many decisions are being made based on. That's the problem. You know, that's like anything else. I mean, you you got numbers and it's like hits on Facebook or whatever. I mean, it's something it's, 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 and, and too many people are being somewhat described as better ball players or worse ball players than they are because of it. In my opinion. Do you have any issue with the fact that uh, Mariano Rivera went into the hall of fame unanimously? Do I have any issue with that? Why would I have an issue with that? Okay. I Well, I know some people, uh, my co-hosts included, that just don't feel that Mariano should have been the first player to go into that. I, I think a lot of players should have been unanimous. I can say Willie Mays, Willie Mays should have been unanimous. That's not the point. That's not the point. That wasn't the question you put in there. Sorry. Said is that do you think Mariano should have been unanimous? And that's yes. Oh, yes, yes. But, I mean, okay. that's, that's just because somebody else was denied doesn't mean everybody's got to be denied because this guy was back then. I mean, that, that's a stupid argument. No, I mean, Marianne, I mean, why? I mean, if you're the best at your position during your era, you should be pretty much in the Hall of Fame. If you're the best at your position that ever played, why shouldn't that be unanimous? I, I don't get it. So there should have been – so basically, there's players way back when that should have been unanimous. That, forget and that's my issue, too. Forget unanimous. Uh, Joe DiMaggio doesn't make it the first year. Exactly. I, I can't believe that. You know, it's like – but that's part of the game. I mean, one – but here, here again, though, somebody kept Ted Williams off his uh, MVP ballot the year he hits, four, I think, 406. Right. And he would have won the MVP if he just put him on his ballot. And he didn't. And DiMaggio won. So, you know, what, you know, it, it's, it, again, baseball is too – I think the one thing about baseball, which I'm kind of enjoying, is the fact that we're smashing, we're chipping away at baseball's love affair. When people say about the sabermetrics, well, baseball's love affair with numbers and calling them holy, that's, you know, that's, that's okay to chip away at that. We've seen it because you can manipulate numbers. We saw it either legally or illegally. You can you can manipulate numbers in some extent to some extent. So just because somebody has the best numbers doesn't mean they're the best player. I don't think that's you know it's right. I, I don't think that that's. I mean, I you know, and so unanimous. I mean, a unanimous. I think you're going to see more unanimous players going in. Now, there's not too many, but I think you're going to see more. I mean, Jeter almost did it. Jeter almost did it. Yeah. You know, I think you, and it's interesting because nobody gives you the Cy Young Award is, is unanimous. Nobody gives you, <laughs> or Rookie of the Year. 
you know, but it comes to the Hall of Fame. What you get is a building. It's not the pearly, it's not the pearly gates. Right. It's right. a building. It's a building. It's a museum. It'd be like saying, well, you know, Rembrandt actually stole this color orange from his buddy, the other painter. So we, we're not going to put his paintings in my museum. You know, come on, give me that. It's a building. This idea of the Hall of Fame being, it's a tourist attraction, started out totally as a tourist attraction. That's what it was there for. Uh, they made a bullshit story about, who's the general? Uh, what, Carton, double, day. Uh, double Day. Double Day. Not Double Day, not Double Day. It's, uh, um, ah, he's from Cooperstown. Yeah, I can't think of his name. It's a bullshit story. They built the museum around a bullshit story. Right. So, I mean, again, you know, it's romance, you know, which is fine, which is fine. With with the 60-game season this year, if it happens, you think there's a possibility that someone could hit 400? Yeah, more so, I'm sure. Yeah. Especially now, how's, how's that going to be? Especially if they juice the ball, which I'm pretty sure they'll probably <laughs> will. I mean, they got 60 games. I think the ball's going to be juiced terribly, probably. So, yeah, why, why shouldn't somebody – somebody could hit 400. It's happened. I saw somewhere it happened like six times over the last 20, 30 years. So why couldn't somebody do it? Yeah. After, you mean after – And again, and again by doing that, it's not like saying he's a better hitter than Ted Williams or Ty Cobb. Right. right. What we're saying is in a 60-game season, this season he hit 400. That's it. You know, that's okay. I mean, you know, I, this, this romance with – you know, again, they're legends. They're just myths. Most of them are myths and legends. And, or they're just, you know, it, which is great, which is partly why I'm a little bit like, like I don't like the natural as much as a lot of people do. I just. Oh, really? Okay. I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of Field of Dreams. I like the natural, and, but not a big fan of Field of Dreams for some reason. Okay. I'll give you just this one man's opinion. The natural is based on a great now. Here's again. Hollywood's not in the great book business. It's in the entertainment business. First of all, the narrative I've always had a trouble with, which I've never understood is, okay, here's Robert Redford's character, Roy Hobbs. He's a young guy. He goes to the big city. He winds up, a girl seduces him. She shoots him, jumps out the window. He's single. Why is he hiding for 20 years? What did he do? It's like The whole premise of the movie is like, what did he do? He's a single guy. He got laid. She shoots him, and she jumps out the window. What did I do? So I never understood that, that whole part there. Now, the bigger part, of course, is the ending. The whole idea of the book, Malamut's book, which resonates and gives it weight, is his theory about talent without character is not enough. Because in the book, he does throw games, and he's doing all this stuff, and then finally decides to try it again, and here comes a new picture, and he strikes out. You know, talent without character is not enough. Remember, in baseball, the three greatest pieces of prose, probably, all deal with failure. All deal with failure. One is Casey at the bat. Casey strikes out. Mm-hmm. Two, is nat- two is a natural. Roy Hobbs strikes out. And three is take me out to the ball game. For it's one, two, three strikes, you're out. Those are the three best, probably, pieces of prose. Baseball deals. Now, that doesn't mean it's good for entertainment. <laughs> and this was TriStar's first movie, a big studio. And they were not going to have the fans. They're not going to have Roy Hobbs and Robert Redford strike out. And then, of course, you get the great music and everything. And it's a wonderful sequence. 
But I, I never got me on any emotional contact. Again, big game. The better one's the big game, and he would have lost. You know, he could still get the girl, but, I mean, that's not the story. That's an, It's a Hollywood movie. That's the difference. Field of Dreams is different. I like Field of Dreams until the end. The end, what takes me out of the movie, is James Earl Jones' speech at the end as the guys are coming in playing ball from the field, and he says, Ray, baseball reminds of, of all that was once good. It can be good again. And I'm sitting there going, yeah? Then how come you couldn't play until 1947? What's good about that? How come everybody who's coming out from that field right there is white? What's good about that? Well, it reminds us of all that's once good. And that's a bullshit speech. It takes me right out of the movie. It's like, what the crap again is this it's like, so that's my problem with feelings. Otherwise, it's a pretty good, it's a good movie. But yeah, that, that, is that, that, that yeah. totally throws me out of it. I mean, it's like, how can you possibly say that? Now, in the book, it's J.D. Salinger who's the, the character. But regardless, re- baseball reminds us of all those ones. Good? Come on. Come on. Baseball was, a good, like, was America. It was racist until 1947. Right. How can how can you possibly give that speech? Right. And even in even then, you only had one player. Right, there's one. Know, then became two. Yeah, but exactly. But, you know, how do you give that speech? I mean, come right. on. Right. That, he was he yeah. was also in another baseball movie, The Sandlot. Where no, uh, he, no, I'm not a Sandlot. He, James Earl Jones wasn't in the Sandlot? James Earl Jones might be, yeah. Yes. I'm, yeah. No, no, no. I know I know you weren't in it. I just think James Earl Jones was in the Sandlot. The best, I'll tell you the most underappreciated, the the most under probably the most unknown movie, but one of the best baseball movies I ever saw is a movie called Sugar. Uh, Sugar is a movie uh, about a Dominican kid who uh, gets a bonus. He's living in Dominican. He comes to the United States where he has, doesn't speak English. You know, he comes in, he goes to Iowa, Kansas City Royal Farm Club, and the cultural adjustment, and you'd swear it's a documentary. It's that real, but it's not. It's a movie, and it's, it, that, that's an underappreciation. I would say that one would be my top five. Mm-hmm. Uh, I probably would put Aitman out in my top five. And uh, like I said, bang the drums slowly. Bad News Bears. I'm trying to think if there's anyone jumping out at me. Is I anything? happen to like Major League because it's just so funny with Bob Uecker, Bob Uecker's, uh lines in there. That's just entertainment. Big game. Right. Big game. Hollywood movie. Right. It's funny. It's Euchre. Actually, well, that's my story. So without Euchre, there's not much, much of a movie here. Right. No, it's, it's just fun. Yeah. And what, what's the uh, Bingo Long? Uh, that's a pretty good movie. That's a pretty good movie. Yeah, that, yeah. that one's that one's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. There's a few. There's a few. Uh, a League of Their Own. I like that. One. Yeah. A League of Their Own. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's 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 in there. Yeah. Those are those. Yeah. No big game. Eh, there, just, there is and there isn't. It's not really a big game. I mean, yeah, they have, but that's not the, the end of the movie. You know, right. like, I, love that. I, I, I actually, my favorite part of that movie is the end when you see the, um, when, when Madonna's singing, you know, that song. See the real people. And uh, you see, yeah, and you see the real people. It's just like, I, I don't know, <laughs> something about that. So are you looking forward to the season though? Should there be one? I'm going to watch it as, as a, for a lot of curiosity, you know, uh, whoever wins it is going to whoever's going to win it is going to win it. But I, I just say, okay, it's it's. I'll, I'll watch it just for the fun of it. See how it goes. Yeah, well, it's it, you know, it's like you know, it is what it is. I mean, they had they couldn't do anything else anyway. Right. I mean, they would have stopped this thing two months ago. You know, if they would have settled everything, they couldn't start yet anyway. 
Right. So they would have had the same number of games. They were always going to have this number of games. I'm looking forward to it. What do you think of the new rules changes? Oh, yeah, that's going to be interesting. I really don't like this, the extra inning rule, having a guy start on second base. But it'll be interesting how the managers are going to you know, think about that. Do you walk the next guy, step the double play, or do you butt the guy over to third and, you know, things like that. So it, it, it'll be interesting how the managers how the managers will work that out. What do you think, Len? I Well, I like it. I, not so Anything with this 60-game season that's different is fine with me because it's it, just having a 60-game season is different. So the fact that there's going to be a DH in both leagues, I have no issue with. The, you know, well, the whole pitching to three batters, that was going to be this season anyway. But the starting the runner on second, I just think the whole, I mean, they're not playing with fans. So I'm all for anything that they're doing, just seeing the game. And I think it's, I think it's great. I, I'm, I, I don't have an issue with any of it, really. Just get on the field. That's, that's really what I want to say. And, and, uh, and I'll see the, the rule changes. It's just going to be fun. I love every rule change. Every one of them. You do, huh? I absolutely do. I mean, again, it's just holding on to shit from 300 years. Did you see the World Baseball Classic when the rule came into a fit, when they had to do the start man on extra second base? Uh, yeah, I don't remember that now. It was incredibly exciting. Now, it was a, play, now it was a playoff game. So it was, it was like sudden death. So, but first of all, nobody wants, nobody likes extra innings. Nobody. Nobody. The pitchers don't. I mean, the manager doesn't want it. The players don't want it. The uh, the people who work the stadium don't want it. The broadcasters don't want it. The TV networks don't want it. Mm. Nobody and the fans don't want it because if you look in the if you look in the twelfth inning of any ball game, there's nobody in the ballpark. So this bullshit about the fans is total one hundred percent bull. Nobody wants extra innings. It ruins a pitching staff. It ruins everything. Nobody wants it. Nobody. The people want to get out of operations. The concessionaires can't do anything. I mean, nobody wants it. That's number one. And it is exciting. I'll tell you, when, I, when they did it during the game, it was incredibly exciting. It was a playoff game, to be sure. The three-batter rule, great rule. Absolutely great rule. When I hear this bullshit about, oh, it takes away strategy. What strategy is a takeaway? You mean a lefty coming in to take a lefty and then a righty coming in to face a righty? Wow, what strategy is that? <laughs> I can train my dog. To you know, hey, hey, Max, come here. If the guy walks and throws it, if I give you a left paw, go get the left-hander. If he starts throwing with his right paw, get the right-hander. I can, what fucking strategy is that? Give me a fork. No, strategy is if a left-hander's coming up and you got two right-handers behind him. Now, that's a strategy. Do you pitch or not? The other thing is like, what? All that is is a managerial excuse so they don't have to make a decision. And what's the other rule? Designator hitter used to be against it. Now I'm 100% for it. Nobody uh-huh. wants to watch a pitcher hit. Nobody wants to watch a pitcher hit. They hit a less than 100. It's like, give me a – they strike out, what, 40% of the time? Nobody pays for that. It's like it's ridiculous. People want offense. The NFL's smart. They change it so you get, they get more offense all the time. They, and starting a man on second base is more offense. And, and everybody, like John Smoltz said, everybody swings for a home run in extra innings. This way you've got people yeah. moving around. And you have strategy on the bottom of the inning if they scored one run, you know, or you play for two or you play for a tie. There's some strategy, you know. But I love every – plus with these three pitcher batters, it takes ten minutes out of the game like that because that's two pitching changes at five, uh, at five minutes apiece. That's just ten minutes right out of the game like that. Yeah. No, anything that speeds up this game, I am for. Everything. Well, yeah. I mean, 
Uh, no, I'm sorry. I was going to say Jeff's a big hockey fan. And look, one of the most exciting things in hockey, I I think that fans think this, is is the shootout, right? When it's tied, <laughs> isn't the shootout exciting? Jeff? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah, but I, I, know, I, knew people, I knew people, oh, no, we shouldn't have a shootout. That's no way to end the game. And by the way, they don't use it in the playoffs, you know. They don't right. use it, right. you know. But, but yeah, I mean, nobody wants to sit right. there for four or five periods. So you putting, know, so have putting a, a, putting a, a definitive sense. time where the game's going to end, maybe. Well, I just see a lot of more, lot more intentional walks because of all the all the rule changes. Starting man second, or bringing a, a pitcher, you know, face three batters. Manager goes, okay, face these two guys. I'll just walk the next guy. There's your three. We'll bring in someone else. I just see a lot more. Wait, wait, he ain't walking the third guy if the first two guys get on base. That's true. That's true. He ain't walking anybody then. Right. Yeah, you're gonna put. Oh, what are you gonna do? Where are your bases? And by the way, how many runs you up? Are you gonna put the winning run off for on, on the base? Yeah. Right. No, no, three pitches, three. And if, by the way, where the f- can't you get three batters out if you're a major league pitcher? I, I, I've been saying that for for years. Uh, if you're a major league pitcher, you should get three uh, outs. Yeah. Into the choir. <laughs> I've been saying that for years. You, if you can't get three outs, you shouldn't be in the major leagues. I mean, come on, come on, give me a break. Right. The pitcher. Come on. Yeah, oh, but then you lose mass and bum gutter. Ooh, so I can, so I want to have everybody else hit, you know, and hit 0-20 so that Madison Bumgarner may get one home run or Bartolo Colon over his career. I'll take the, I'll give me the best hitter on the team. And then let me see. I'd rather watch Mo Vaughn than, uh, than Bartolo Colon and every other pitch. <laughs> You've been so generous with your time. I, I do want to ask you about your, your, your role in Batman. Al great Van Fox. Again, great fun, great oh. time to burden. A pro, Tim Burton, a genius. <laughs> he's been asked this so many times. I'll bet. <laughs> I, I want Well, I don't know if he's been asked this. In the scene when you're in the uh, suit of armor with, with uh, Vicky Vale and, and Bruce Wayne comes behind you, and you ask him for a grant, did you ever get that grant? Because we're looking for a grant. <laughs> I can't. I, I, under, under advice of attorney, I can't answer that question. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. Uh, which, Still We're trying to get a grant for this podcast. <laughs> Maybe we'll ask him. So, anyway, I hope you had a good time. Good luck to the Mets. We had a great time, Robert. Yeah, you... Tough schedule. Mets have a tough schedule. Yeah. Mets have a very tough schedule. Yeah. They should be competitive. I mean, a lot of it's going to depend on depends on health. Everything depends on health. I want to ask you, who do you think is the most – I'm going to, can I give you a question? Uh, the most overrated – well, I don't want to say overrated. I would say over. Yeah, I could say. You know, who you think is the most overrated player? I have a personal. Who do you think is the most overrated player? You know, that you can get off the top of your head. Mm. And, and it's a good player. Oh, I know. I know. He's on the Washington Nationals. He got a huge. Con- no, he's not on the Nationals. What am I saying? He's on the Phillies now. Oh, Bryce Harper. Yeah, Bryce Harper. Yeah. He's a lot of, I think there's a lot of hype. Yeah. I mean, he's good. He's very good. But I think he's, you know, he had all that hype coming up that, that he's, uh, you know, profiting on it. I, I don't. Throw the contract away. You don't want Bryce Harper on your team? Oh, well, throw the contract away. I'm paying him. What am I paying him? No, no, no. I'm, I'm just sure saying, forget, forget the numbers. I'm talking about as a ball player. I'm yes, I would player. want him on my team. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, he would be one of your top 10 outfielders, we would say. Yeah. Top 10, sure. Right. Yep. Yeah. Throw the contract away. But who would you think, Jeff? Oh, I'm in agreement with with uh, you know. I tell you, Gio Carl Stanton. 
I mean, I think he's over, I don't know if he's overrated, but he can never stay on the field to be that great that he's supposed to be. Well, that, that, that's, that's, a, that's, I'm, I'm gonna, you, you know, part of being a ball player is you got to come to the post. Right. You've got to play. You have to play. But that one, yeah, I mean, I'm not, yeah, I, yeah that, I, I, I could I agree more with that one than I would Harper, for sure. Harper plays. Harper plays every game, pretty much. Harper, you know, it's like, he's a good ball player. I mean, he's a very, he's a, I mean, he doesn't forget the contract. I mean, who would you rather have Harper or Manny Machado? I'd rather have Harper. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not a Manny Machado fan. He took him out of Baltimore. I think he's hit like 210 since. Yeah, he doesn't make good sense. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, and a much better teammate, too, from what I understand. Uh, you know who I think is the most overrated good player? He's a good player, but I think he's really overrated. And here's just where Sabermetrics comes in Joey Votto. Joey Votto, yeah. I think Joey Votto is incredibly overrated ball. This is a guy who's a first baseman. He walks. That's what he does. He walks. So Brian Kenny likes him. Right. Brian and I, we have this fight going all the time. I go, <laughs> he doesn't drive in runs. What do you have? Eight home runs last year? A first baseman in that ballpark? In that ballpark, and He yeah. doesn't drive in runs. He doesn't have, you know, it's like he walks. He walks. You know, that's, I would, I could think of 10 first basemen I would take with Joey Votto. Right. But, yeah, he, he's that on-base percentage guy, so. Uh, well, that's sabermetrics. Exactly. Exactly. Now, if you would lead the league in runs every year, but I don't want that for my first baseman. I'm sorry. You know, in that ballpark, I'm sorry. I, you know, I, I, I'm, I just, oof. I mean, the first baseman isn't as deep as it used to be, but boy, I mean, I, Joey Votto, he doesn't do anything. He just, he walks. Right. You know, he hits the, but he doesn't, he doesn't, it's like, you know, hit the, you got to drive in runs if you're a first baseman to me. Your, yeah. your job is to drive in runs. But, right, right. I mean, to me, he's, he is at his position like, I'm trying to think of a shortstop or a second baseman comparable in that way. You know, who's a guy who's a good, you know, who walks, good on base percentage, and pretty much that's it. I mean, who's a second baseman or uh, I'm trying to think of somebody. I'd rather have DJ LeMayu than Joey Votto. Right, right. I was going to say DJ LeMayu. Mm. Yeah, I would much rather have DJ LeMayu. Yeah. You know. I mean, Joey, you know, he's the guy who hit the home run to tie this, the, the playoff game. He's the guy. Joey, why don't, in that ballpark? Come on. Yeah, that's it. Anyway, I'm sorry, Keith. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank, thank you very much, Robert. No, we thank you. Robert became the interviewer, and we yeah. became the uh, – <laughs> it's, it's, it must be an episode of Ipso Facto. <laughs> thank you very much. I had a good time. Thank you very much. Robert, for thank you very much. Kansas City. Kansas City. We'll, we'll be there. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hi, this is Gary Mack of the Mets Musings Podcast, and if you like barbecue and you like baseball, then you have to listen to Baseball and BBQ with Jeff and Len. They always have the best guests from the world of baseball and the world of barbecue, all in one little package. So check it out, Baseball and BBQ with Len and Jeff. Okay, guys, take it away. It was great to hear that interview again, wasn't it, Len? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Definitely, after you hear that, you want to go back and watch some of those movies. That that one scene with with the candles. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, can was it candlesticks? Candlesticks, yes. Yeah, candlesticks. But I still, you know, it's funny. I still remember him from uh, the the Batman with Michael Keaton. Yeah, and when they're Alfred, give give this man a grant. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was that was good. For everybody, maybe 
you didn't get what you wanted for the holidays, or maybe you have some spare shekels now after the holidays, somebody gave you cash as a gift, go to baseballbbq.com and check out their grilling tools and accessories. Because, you know, before you know it, baseball season's going to be here. Grilling season is going to be here. And how nice will it be to have baseball bat-shaped handles for spatulas, forks, uh, tongs, and then, of course, a cutting board. Jeff, cutting board shaped like home plate. And and uniforms. Yeah, or a uniform. The only thing is, you've got to ask your butcher to now, when he cuts the meat for you, he has to shape it like home plate or or a jersey. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, And then also, there's the Pandemic Baseball Book Club. We've had so many of the authors on. If you want to know where to buy the, you know, get the books of some of the authors we have, Go to their website, and they have also have some swag. I think you'll you'll be very pleasantly surprised by both websites. Absolutely. So, Lan, Jeff, what's next? Ah, I'm glad you asked. So, Jeff, we haven't done this in a while, and I'm glad that we're going to get back to this. The Hall of Fame, the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York, has been inducting players for years. Yes. And, you know, there are the ones we all know. There are the ones we all know, but then there are some that are in there and you'll see their plaque and you're like, oh, wow, who is that? And you want to learn more about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there's one I think that fits that bill perfectly. Who's that? His name is Archie Vaughn. His and it, name is Archie. Yeah. Well, Archie is his nickname, obviously. His name was jo- Joseph Floyd Vaughn. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1985. His primary team is the Pittsburgh Pirates, and his primary position was shortstop. But he also played with the Brooklyn Dodgers. Yes, he did. And Jeff, why don't we read a little bit about him so everybody can hear about Archie Vaughn? Okay, well, this is taken from the Baseball Hall of Fame website. So just to let you know, we're not plagiarizing anything. We're giving credit where credit is due. Absolutely. <laughs> Archie Vaughn was the premier shortstop of his era and one of the best at the plate in baseball history. He had 300 or better in each of his first 10 major league seasons, all with the Pittsburgh Pirates, and led the National League in runs and triples three years apiece. Vaughn was born March 9, 1912 in Clifty, Arkansas. And although his family moved to Fullerton, California, when he was an infant, he was nicknamed Archie when he was a child because he spoke with an Arkansas accent picked up from his family. He was a noted high school athlete who received interest from colleges for his football talent, but he signed a baseball contract with minor league Wichita Aviators in 1931. He hit 338 in his season only season in the minors, then joined the Pirates in 1932 at the age of 20. Vaughn rose to stardom quickly and was selected to the first of nine straight All-Star games in 1934. He hit 364 in his career in Midsummer Classics, highlighted by a two-homer, four-RBI game in 1941. Vaughn's best season was 1935 when he led the NL in walks, batting average, slugging percentage, and on-base percentage. His 385 average that year is the highest ever in modern era 
post-1900 for a National League shortstop. Vaughn was traded to the Brooklyn Dodgers following the 1941 season. He led the National League in runs and stolen bases in 1943, but he clashed with manager Leo DeRocher and sat out the 1944, 45, and 46 seasons. After DeRocher's suspension from baseball for the 1947 season, Vaughn returned to the Dodgers and hit 325 in 64 games at the age of 35, helping Brooklyn win the NL pennant. He retired following the 1948 season with a 318 batting average, 2,103 hits, 1,173 RBI, and a 406 on base percentage in 14 seasons. At shortstop, he led the NL in putouts and assists three times apiece. Vaughn died tragically on August 30th, 1952, at the age of 40, when a sudden storm capsized his fishing boat on a lake near his California home. Vaughn tried to save his companion, who could not swim, and they both drowned. Vaughn was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1985. Jeff, can you do us the honor of reading his plaque? Sure. Joseph Floyd Vaughn, Arkey, Pittsburgh, NL 1932 to 1941, Brooklyn, NL 1942 to 1948. Among Hall of Fame shortstops, his 318 lifetime batting average is second only to Honus Wagner's 329. The league with 385 in 1935, homered twice in 1941 All-Star Game, banned only 276 times in 6,622 career at-bats. Polished infielder and accomplished base runner, leading NL with 20 stolen bases in 1941. Out of some career. Yeah. I'd love to know why he sat out those three seasons. Yeah, that was... Three seasons? That must have been some falling out. Yeah, tell me about it. And then he returns and he plays with Jackie Robinson with nobody. Nobody knows that. Right. Right. I mean, we heard yeah. some of those other players on that team, but I don't remember hearing Anki Vaughn part of that. No, team. no. And and that's why he is definitely someone that I want to know more about. Hopefully, by doing this, by reading this, we're sparking interest in him. And you know what, Jeff? Maybe uh, one of our author friends will hear this. And the next thing you know, <laughs> we'll be working on a book on Archie Vaughn. <laughs> That'd be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Right. Pretty amazing, though. That was. That's, nice. that's some career that he had. And I wonder why the Veterans Committee put him in. Why didn't he get in the regular ballot? Another good question. Another good question. And I mean, if, you, if you look on baseball reference, look at all these. The, Bold black ink on there. I mean, it's it's littered all over the place. 1935, what, what a year he had there. I mean, he led the league in 97 walks, 385 batting average, 491 on base percentage, 607 slugging on base plus slugging is 1.098. On base plus slugging plus 190. Also, MVP came up a third in MVP for balloting. I mean, that, that, was, that was some year. A player like that would not be under the radar today. No. No matter where he played. It's unbelievable that we haven't heard of him, but I'm glad that we know a little bit about him. I want to do a little research on him. Arky Vaughn, maybe one of our listeners knows more about him. Maybe. Maybe. I yeah. mean, he didn't. He never had a 200-hit season, 
That's why he only had 2,103 hits. And, but again, he did miss three seasons. And right. then he could have ended up with, you know, closer to 2,500 and 2,100. Sure. But we'll never know. I did want to ask you something, though, Len, about Hall, Hall of Fame balloting. There was this guy, he, he'd been voting for the Hall of Fame since 2006. So this is now what? 16 years? 16 years, okay. He voted for five players on this year's ballot. Todd Helton, and he... Andrew Jones, Scott Rowland, Jimmy Rollins, Billy Wagner. Okay. But on this tracker, it shows us who lost the vote or gained the vote. And it seems that he did not vote for Jeff Kent this year, but he has in the past. He has in the past voted for Jeff Kent, but all of a sudden now Jeff Kent is no longer a Hall of Famer. Right. What changed? I, I don't know. You that's know, what I'm asking you. Yeah, you know how I feel about that. Listen, we we debated this on a couple of episodes ago. Who's who being a whole thing or not? I would not have voted for Jeff Kent. You would. This right. is not about him being a whole thing or not. I just right. want to know why this guy. And you had up to ten to vote for ten people. He voted for five, so there's obviously room on his ballot right. for for more. And and he right. took Jeff Kent off. Why? It doesn't make any sense. You. There, you know what? There should actually be there should be some kind of requirement. I don't know how you'd even enforce this, but if you vote for someone for the Hall of Fame and they don't get in, unless your ballot is filled, you know, unless he had 10 and Jeff Kent would have been number 11, you have to keep consistent. How is Jeff Kent not all? Wait, Jeff, how did is news, Jeff did Kent? News, did news come out about him? In some unsavory way? I haven't heard anything the no. last year. No. That could be the only way, right? If something, if a story comes out about him or something. No. Nothing. So unless all of a sudden this writer thought about it and said, you know what? Maybe he's not a Hall of Famer. But if he had gone in last year, it's not like this guy could say, I want him out of there. Right. I, I just, I, that makes me crazy. It does make you crazy. And you should probably have a rant on that. Yeah, but you know I can't rant like you, and I can't yeah. rant like Christina either. No, Christina has definitely has her ranting abilities way above yours. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, I need to go to ranting one hundred and one. But no, I just don't get that. The guy, I mean, there's there's a number of things I don't get, and one is very obvious is with with the Hall of Famer how a guy isn't a Hall of Famer one year and then he is a Hall of Famer. It's it's the opposite of this, right? Right. You don't think a guy is a first ballot Hall of Famer, but he's a Hall of Famer. And this, you think he's a Hall of Famer, and then the next year, you change your mind. He's not a Hall of Famer. Go go figure. Did Jeff Kent lose any RBIs? He might have. I, I don't did, know. Did he? It might have been an official scoring <laughs> decision. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But unless there's some story that comes out about Jeff Kent, you put him on. You keep them on. Anyway, we should let everyone know that we are brought to you by Bet Online, where the game begins. And you know we're not beginning. We're not starting. Len, 2023 wow. is here. It is. And we are into season six of baseball and BBQ, where the BBQ stands for barbecue. That's right. And I could go for some good barbecue. So I think once we stop recording, I'm going to go put a brisket on. We've got some great things coming up. So we hope everybody's excited. 2023, we say goodbye to baby New Year. 
or no baby we say hello to baby new year goodbye to old man year whatever boy i really screwed that up didn't i jeff you did <laughs> well what do you want it's been a long year well i'm gonna leave that in i'm not gonna edit that out no of course not why would you <laughs> We're going to we're going to do better in 2023. Maybe I won't be so flustered. We'll do it. Okay. Anyway, Jeff, let's end this episode the way we've been so happy to end so many of our other episodes and that is with the poet Shel Krakowski, the musician Dave Dresser. The song is Baseball Always Brings You Home. Happy New Year everybody. Happy New Year.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.